Good morning, everybody. And again, happy Father's Day. And you say thank you. Very good. How many of your fathers here? Okay, very good. Very good. I honor you today. I honor Pastor Tibbs, a father, and uh, a dear son to me. And so, uh, bless you, Pastor. Thank you for the invitation, uh, the open door to come to this house. And um, we're going to move right into the word of the Lord, if that's okay. I was asked where Miss Sheila is. Uh, she's um, in Bell Fountain. Uh, they're probably in service right now. She had uh, some ministry things that she had to take care of. And then her daughter surprised her. And when your child comes from a long way and her husband, you know how mom gets. She's got to find where the collard greens are and she's got to get preparations made because a child has come home. And so as wise men of God, we know not to touch that. <laughs> Some things are off limits. I used to uh, go to the grocery store with my wife and monitor everything that went into the basket. Now, I learned that from I don't know who. I don't know where I got that from. But I did used to see my father, who was ex-military, uh, served in the Second War, and uh, a moment was always, I can remember him sitting at the table, balancing the checkbook out, and, and he was real good at doing things like that. And so <clears throat> maybe I picked up just maybe some of that, and then it got old. It just, just got old. Because as I grew, I grew out of the things that were not necessary. The word of the Lord says that she is to be the one that guides the home. And so I conclude that if she wants a purple wall, guess what she gets? A purple wall. Now, I may not just express that's not, I probably won't say a thing. Because I remember it's because of her as a young girl who first showed me Jesus. It was her steadfastness in her love for Jesus as young teeny boppers that she was not budging in her faith. Even though I tried to move her, she didn't move. Nope, nope, nope. Even past her to the point where she said, as I have mentioned before, um, when I expressed I was going to outknow her intellectually, of course. And um, so I presented all the world religions to my girlfriend. And um, just to kind of say that you don't have the only truth, you don't have the only way. And I had motives because I didn't want to change and all the Jesus that was in her, I wanted it out of her so we could continue on with our, my plan. And so she said something so profound after I finished my presentation. She said, well, she said, Robin, I don't know about those world religions, but I'll tell you what I do know. I said, what's that, babe? She 
she said, I know that Jesus lives in me and I will not deny him for you. Oh, oh, pull out the paddles. You know how they say clear? Boom. So I got into my little car because I was trying to fight God, you know. I was just trying to fight God for lust reasons. And this is honest church, right? Okay. Now, that was many years ago. I'm a, I'm a young guy, 20 years old. And so anyway, <clears throat> I know you said he, he's, that's many years ago. All right. <laughs> so anyway, I went down the road and I pulled over and I prayed. Believe it or not, me, the cool Mac Daddy. I mean, and I prayed because I felt so small when she said that she wouldn't deny Jesus for me. It touched me, but you can't let them see when you're trying to be cool. You can't let everybody know that you're being touched. And so I went over and I pulled over about a mile or two down the road and I said, God, I'll never do that to her again. I'll never try to get her away from you again. And while being a sinner, what was I? What was I on this side of the church? Say it like really with that sinner. See, you, you got a little anointing there right there. He's a sinner. Yeah, I was a sinner. And so... Uh, it has been said that God doesn't hear sinners' prayers, but if you go back to the text, find out who's saying it. Because if he doesn't hear sinners' prayers, I don't know who would be in this building. Amen. And I know now, looking back, that God hurt me. But the tractor beam, everybody know what tractor beam is? I know we have different generations here. How many know tractor beam? If you ever seen, I see these young people, they look like, There was a force, an invisible force that they used. They call a tractor beam, and they could pull in ships on Star Trek, of course. I didn't do soap operas, but I did Star Trek. And so anyway, the tractor beam was on my heart. God was reeling me in, and I didn't know it. I couldn't see it, but the whole time, he was working me over, probably laughing while he was doing it, but he was working me over. Anybody know what it means to be drawn by the Lord? to be drawn you think is your idea of the whole time you find out it was his and so he worked with me and the ultimate end that I gave my life to Jesus and uh, I married that lady and she's the mother of my five children and uh, we have four grandchildren now and we have an annual grandparent trip uh, this is four years running annual grandparent trip and uh it's a week we we typically take them down to florida where they have a home and a pool and then there's a little water park in the, the, the subdivision that we rent like an airbnb out but the thing i want you to con i want to convey to you is that it's yes week in other words we tell our grandkids this week the answer is yes I think if you ever want to go on a vacation this summer, you want to make the vacation yes week. Whatever she says, yes. Whatever he wants, yes dear. <laughs> See, this is heavy teaching. <laughs> Everyone say yes week. Yes week. 
So, Paul, Paul, can we sleep on the sofa? Yes. Paul, Paul, can we sleep on the floor? Yes. Paul, Paul, can we stay up all night? Yes. Paul, Paul, can we have another popsicle? Yes. It's yes week. And you know we could have challenges in life as adults and families. And when you go on vacation this week, put it all in a drawer. It'll be here when you get back. And go ahead and do yes week. Just, just say yes. Fight through all the pressures that would say, don't say yes to this. I'm going to correct this. No, no, no. Yes week means you don't have to correct anything. I'm not talking about doing things crazy. I'm just saying yes week. And you say, where did I get that from? Well, every promise of God is yes life. Yes and amen. So if he is the God of yes we certainly can celebrate a yes week. Why don't you give him praise? This can be yes day. Yes day and not no. Now, when the children, one time I almost was tempted to say no to my granddaughter because she wanted to go down to Salt and Straw Ice Cream Parlor. And so we went down there and said, their dips are like $7 a dip. But it was kind of, what week was it? It was yes week. And so we were down there and she wanted the chocolate, the mint chocolate chip. And so they put it on the little cone and everything and I gave it to her. She went out of the store, licked it up and then came back in and said, Paul, Paul, I don't want this one. Can I have another one? <laughs> and, uh, and so I was almost to say, well, baby, that's not the rules. You can't take it and lick it and bring it back. But there's power in Yes Week because it affects the people at the register too. And they said, oh, yes, we can do that for you, baby. Hand it here. And so I went away unscathed to be Yes Paul Paul for Yes Week. Amen? Amen. 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 How many of you think you could celebrate Yes Week? Okay. How many of you think maybe if you are going through a little situation with someone that you love that you can say, let's put it on pause and have a Yes Day? Come on now, just can we have a husband, wife, can we have a yes day? And you know, wives, you got it. You really got it the way, and look, just whisper to Bubba and say, honey, it's yes day. And then walk away. Just, just, just walk away. Or, or, or just slip a note before he goes out to work and say, baby, I just want to let you know it's yes day. He won't be no good on the job. Because the only thing he's thinking about, she's, she said yes day. Now she is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask. That's God. I'm, I'm, I'm getting carried away. I'm just telling you yes works. Um, I mentioned the last time I was here, and I know this is just a warm-up, and I'm going to get right into the word, but Miss Sheila buys me a gift every month. She has that she, she, she buys her man of God a special gift every month. How often? Not Christmas and birthday alone, but every month she has put, got in her heart to buy me a gift. And I think that's special. I really do. That, that God would move upon her heart and she would love me and be my best of the best friend and, uh, and bless my heart 
like she did. She bought me an electric toothbrush last month. I don't know what she's meaning by that, but. <laughs> the book of Luke, chapter 4. And I'm going to begin at the 16th verse. You're all familiar with this. And he came to Nazareth, which, where he had been brought up. It's always good to come back home, isn't it? And as it, his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He's sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. This is a statement about Jesus talking about what he has come to do. And um, that he is letting everyone know in the synagogue his mission for coming to the earth. He is aware that the earth has broken people. And he's saying, I'm coming to fix it. One thing you will not see on that list that he is mentioning here, he does not mention the fact that I'm also going to investigate how they got broken. I'm not going to try to find out why and list down why they were bruised. He just makes a statement, I'm going to set at liberty them that are bruised. I am going to, let's just read it together again. I'm sure it's on the screen, is it? No. Just bear with me here. He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, number one. He sent me to heal the broken heart. I'm going to tell you there, right there. Somebody broke their heart. Say it with me. Somebody broke their heart. Set at liberty them that are bruised. You know, a bruise is the evidence, the lingering evidence of an initial trauma, either blunt force trauma or when it comes to the heart, something that has hit a person's heart. People typically are not bruised by themselves. Now, I'm not going to negate the fact that sin can bruise anybody and certainly sin can cause any person to be bound, but to set at liberty them that are bruised many times involves someone doing the bruising and they still carry the bruise and their communication in the earth, in their relationships has oftentimes occasion to be filtered through the bruise that people speak through their pain. And while they want to be as normal as everybody else and who is normal, but that pain pops up. And sometimes you can judge the pain without, not, not, without knowing the root of it. So as I've said before, I say it again, 
Men observe the what that people do. God sees the why that they do it. Jesus will heal the why so that the what will change. Religion wants to change the what and just cover up the why and we can just have nice hypocritical religious church. But if somebody really to bear their soul, that they trust you enough because you're not going to Facebook it, tweet it, tell all the business that's been told to you privately, which is so important in a marvelous church that you can be the carriers of other people's wounds because your master was wounded for your transgression. And he was bruised for your iniquities and the chastisement of your peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we finally are healed. And so the important part of being able to hear and observe a wound and to be mature enough to be able to carry another person's burden without having to tell it to the detriment of the person and they find out later, oh, you're the one that turned state evidence and share it things that you didn't have permission to share. This gets down to the integrity of sainthood. You are the saints of God and you will grow into the character of Christ. You can tell Jesus anything, he won't tell nobody else. Am I right about that? And aren't you glad you can tell Jesus anything and he not tell anybody else? Because it's bad enough to be down on yourself because of an action that you fail in and then to get the confidence to share that with somebody. Uh, that is a precious relationship between the person that represents Jesus that represents Jesus and you can talk to them and they can love you through it. I'm just talking about a great and marvelous church. And you say, well, where, where are you getting that from? You're trying to puff us up? No, I'm not. I'm trying, trying to slap you down. No, it is a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. And we read that, but Jesus intends that. It's a glorious church that can celebrate the intentional beauty of God's creative design in humanity and celebrate it. Not to be as the world and divide from it, but celebrate it because God did this. I'm born in Virginia and let me tell you what, Virginia is quite a state. We got the ocean to the east, we got the mountains to the west, we got the valleys in the middle. It is quite a, quite a state. And uh, here a little country boy found Jesus, or he found me, and here I am in Lima, Ohio. Look what the Lord has done. <laughs> Religion will, back in the day, would have you to have a check the box mentality. In other words, I'm glad I don't chew no more. I'm glad I don't 
do drugs anymore. I'm, I'm saved now and I don't, I don't go here anymore and I don't do this anymore. And we, I celebrate what you don't do. I thank God that the message of holiness and righteousness is right. But you're not saved because of what you don't do. You're saved because of what you do. Because you, what you did was called on the name of the Lord. With your chew. And with the powder still in your nose. Oh, y'all didn't want to hear that one, did you? See, it wasn't what you stopped doing. It's what you did do. Jesus. And you used the code word. The code word. You said, have mercy on me. Anybody who asks for mercy gets mercy. It's mercy day. All a person has to do is meet the conditions of mercy and they will get the mercy every time. And what are the conditions of mercy? Only one. Ask for it. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. It means that I don't deserve it. It means that I am all sold out and depleted. It means I need help, and the only help I can get comes from you. My family is a wreck. We look good on the outside, but inside we're just fighting like cats and dogs, and you think the big dog is winning, but that cat is taking me out. Because she knows the right word. She knows the private evidence. And in a time of heat, she throws that arrow, and I figure out i got to throw an arrow back. And all of a sudden, that which is supposed to be lovely, what's supposed to be beautiful. And in the back room, your children are trembling because mom and dad are at it again. And so now, how does the child process that? It's not that you don't love the child. You do love the child. You'll spend money... <laughs> Yeah, yes, week. <laughs> it's not that you don't love the babies, but you're in your feelings and out of your pain, you're projecting and you're good at it. Yeah. Push me long, far enough yeah. and I've got some stuff that I remember you did and I'm going to remind you of it and the time you did it and how many times. I've got detailed facts. But there's a difference between facts and the truth. The facts are a statement of a historical event that took place. But the truth is that as a person, and it is a person that will make you free. Sometimes people say the truth will set you free, but it doesn't say that in the Bible. It says you will know the truth, and the truth that you know will make you free. And so truth is a person. Because he said, I am the way and I'm the, the truth. So as we're talking today about the gospel of wholeness, we're expressing the fact that Jesus came to make the world whole. You can just jot this down, but it's in Luke chapter 17, 12 through 19. I won't turn there, but for the sake of time, you know the story of 10 lepers. Jesus heals them all. 
and one person, all of them go away, and then one person checks this checked in his heart and he turns back. The man that used to be a leper, he used to be a leper, and he turns back and he gives glory to God. He worships Jesus. He's even prostrates. And Jesus said, uh, where are the other nine? Weren't, weren't nine more cleansed? Then how is it this man has returned to give God thanks and he was a Samaritan? He was a Samaritan that, you know, in the Jewish community, they weren't so down with the Samaritans. But Jesus came to make whole. Wholeness is the order of the day. Everyone say that with me, wholeness. wholeness. Which means, we, we good? Praise God. See, let them in. I'll talk about that later. All right, and that's going to be important. If I don't say it, you tell me. Say, you just say, let them in, because see, I've got limitations. And Miss Sheila's not here. With her flashcard, let him in. <laughs> yeah. So um, I want to talk to you as we round this out. As a glorious church, as a mature church, as the disciples of the Lord. And I want to show you just here in scripture, if you could get for me Matthew 5 and 1. Let's just put that up on the screen. Matthew 5 and 1, and just let the Lord kind of have his way. I'm aware of the heart of your pastor for taking things to the street. That it's not satisfactory for him based on the burden of the Lord. What did I say? The burden of the Lord, not his burden, the burden of the Lord. What is on his heart and God put it on your pastor's heart. And he knows, he's compelled that we got to move out. We got we to move out. We have to be the church. And not only just preach the gospel, but be the gospel. And uh, not to, you know, I came, uh, I came down this road right here. And I'm, there are several churches I passed. And one billboard was up there nice and lit up and everything I'm not speaking against them trust me I'm not because I don't know them but they said no you're not neither fornicators nor adulterers nor homosexuals and it goes through the list in 1 Corinthians 6 9 through 11 and I'm wondering if the church people read that they'll understand but if it's intended for a target market call the world they will never understand it unless there be a preacher to make it plain to them and plus when Paul wrote that he wasn't speaking that to the world he was speaking that to the church so I just figured oh they, they got some church fornicating church folk they're not coming to church but they're going to just drive by the church that there's some adultery church folk that the pastor said, well, I'm, they won't come in, so when the, my, my members drive by, they're going to see the preach from the book. But they're not driving by. They're preparing for the ball game. The world is driving by, and they may not understand it. Not putting the scripture down, but you get a point that I'm saying. 
uh, in, in Bell Fountain, they had these little signs out there. They had got their faith together, and they, the, the saints had some signs. Uh, I don't know quite what church it was. doesn't matter. They mind, I believe. God is the whole body. And uh, they had their signs, beware of hell. I said, man, what church folk need to hear that one? But they were going to, you know, judgment is coming. Is it true? Is it true? It is true. But it's not the language that will bring conviction to somebody unsaved. I got convicted because I was trying to get her away from Jesus. And she said she wouldn't deny Jesus for me. I was convicted in my heart. I didn't know what it was, but that's what it was. The Holy Spirit was convicting me with sweet words. It was kind words. I don't know about those world religions, but this is what I know. I know that Jesus lives in me, and I won't deny him for you. Such power, such power got me. She didn't say, well, you're going to go to hell. And sometimes the hell card is used too often, and I think it's a defense mechanism for the saints when they run out of words. And maybe somebody who they're trying to reach has one up them, so they always can pull out, uh-huh, you're going to hell. So we got to be versed in the scriptures and know how to come back, how to respond to who God has put in your lane. And that'll take a lifetime. Not a week, it'll take a lifetime. Now, where am I going with this? And this is important. So we uh, had some signs, and uh, we had a big demonstration of signs. But on our signs, we had, I committed abortion, and I'm healed. Because that person had. I was on drugs, and I'm free. Now, who do you think that message is going to? Somebody driving by said, well, wait a minute. If they've been on drugs and they're free, then maybe I could be free. But see, sometimes the saint don't want to tell everybody about their old business. But if you would be free men and women, you don't mind old things because they're really passed away. And you're using a point of reference that an unsaved world can relate to. And I became all things to all men that I might win some. Religion going to be, I can't believe they're airing their dirty family laundry. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you, dirty laundry is dirty on the clothesline unwashed and dirty in the bin unwashed. It's just dirt. But if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away, and all things become new. All things become new. But before, before newness can be expressed, we may have to mix in some of this, I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. I persecuted the church. I was full of pride and undone. And all of that reputation of pride I count as dung that I might win Christ. Now in that message alone, he could have put a whole lot of things. He could have said, let me put it in the amplified version, I was a hoochie man. 
Now, who's going to know what that means? Oh, the people that you're trying to win. Yeah, I, I, was, I was a hoochie man. I'm not saying you the girls to do it. Just let the brothers handle this one. Because, see, people not really, because you got some church people say, oh, she what? So you don't want, you don't want, you just the, the brothers handle this one, okay? I was a hoochie man. I was undone. And I'm sorry. Can you feel the power? I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what I was. But now I'm new. Put that on a poster. Then all of a sudden, church just got real. But let me tell you something. When they put, our church paraded those signs, I lost my child and I was broken. And Jesus healed me. And they just, oh my God. It, nobody, everybody was broken. Everybody was crying because they just, it wasn't a pageantry or anything like that. It was real people with real issues that were, that, that were displaying solution. The problem that the world can relate to and the solution to the problem is what was on the posters. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God unto salvation. Amen. Amen. So that Samaritan, I mean, that, that, that uh, leper came back. He gave praise to God and all that. And uh, Jesus took note of that, that he came back. Matthew chapter 5 now. We're, going, we're around the corner. Uh, is that King James? No, it's okay. Leave it right there. Let, let it roll. That's good. That's good. One day as he saw the crowds gathering, Jesus went up. You have to go back for me. I'm a slow reader. Always have been. Went to college, but it was slow. One day as he saw the crowds gathering, Jesus went up on the mountain side. He saw the crowd and he went up on the mountain. He saw the crowd but Jesus, instead of saying, let me just run into this crowd, he went up on a mountain. Now watch this. And sat down, his disciples gathered around him. Who's around him? His disciples are. Where is the crowd? Counting down in the valley. Okay. So this is, this is good now. I think I'm going to go ahead and let you change it. Can you change it to King James? Because, see, I think in King James, and it's for my infirmity, not, I know you guys, you know, you got amplified in your whole brain there. They're going to show you, she's going to show you how, if that's possible. That's okay. I can read from here. It is? You don't have just regular King James. I just want the old, I want the old king. Bless your heart. Whatever you desire, be it unto you. <laughs> Come on now. You better shout it out right now. <laughs> and seeing the multitude, because Eli was overweight and about to check out. And when that sister was in there praying, he thought she was a daughter 
uh, that she was, you know, he said, put away your wine. She said, no, I'm not, I'm not drunk. I'm not like a daughter of the devil. I, got, I want something from God. He said, well, whatever you want, be it unto you. Then came the prophet Samuel. <laughs> you know what that means. <laughs> be it unto you. And see, see, she's searching her heart right now. Saying, what do I really want now? <laughs> and seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. I love it. And when he was set, his disciples came to him. Very important. Next verse. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, I'm going to pick it up from here. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are they that mourn. And then he goes down to the 14th verse. And you don't have to follow me here, but you are the light of the world, a city set on a hill that cannot be hid. And we call that the Sermon on the Mount. But guess what? That Sermon on the Mount is going to go through chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7. And he's going to do all of this great teaching, but he's only teaching his disciples because the crowd is in the valley. Now, you may not can feel where I'm going yet, but, but I'm going somewhere. He is teaching these people who worship the Lord, who are called of God, who are the light of the world, and he begins to lay out truth after truth after truth. He is laying it on heavy. And to the eighth chapter, to the eighth chapter, he goes down from the mountain for where he had ended all of these sayings. Then he went down and that's when he begins to operate in ministry. He went down to the street, ministry on the street, in the marketplace, ministry at Walmart, ministry at Big Lots. Y'all go to Big Lots? Okay, big lots, all day. I go to Aldi. All the vegetables come from Aldi. I, I like Kroger's, but don't mistreat me to try to charge me $5 for some blueberries. No, sir. I'm going to Aldi's. Yeah. And then I'm going to put my little quarter in that little slot, get me a basket, and roll through there because you never know where you're going to get it, Aldi's. And so then you get them to be kind and you see somebody coming in, you go ahead and say, you don't have to use your quarter. Just take the basket. That's because I didn't want to walk around. It. <laughs> what I'm saying is that he taught the disciples and he taught them things like, and just, just, you just listen to this. I'm just going to check over here to the sixth chapter. He's going to talk to them to make sure your charity is not done before men. That's six and one. Then he talks about uh, when you pray, enter into your closet. Then he's going to give the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer, you know who he was talking to? He's talking to his disciples, not the multitude. He's not teaching the multitude. He's teaching, teaching you. And then uh, he goes down and said, no man can serve two masters. Why would he need to tell his disciples that? Why does he need to tell the people that are following them that? Because he is preparing them. He's giving them a word because the street is in front of them. And ministry is in front of them. And they have to get this teaching down in their spirit so that they won't become the people down there and be swayed by the people down there. We had a brother come to the Lord Jesus Christ. 
God genuinely saved him, and he saved him from alcohol. And so he got so on fire for the Lord about a week in, two weeks in, he went to the local bar in Bell Fountain that preached the gospel, and I get a call, come and get your boy. He on the floor. What is he doing on the floor? He drunk. Because he didn't abide long enough up on the mountain. And get that in his spirit. You see, the truth of the matter is, in the gospel of wholeness, it is people like you and me and pastors and everyone who's listening to me, we need wholeness first so that we can preach the gospel of wholeness. I'm not saying you're not born again. I'm not saying you're not, we're not saved people, but there can be little spots in our life that haven't been overcome, that haven't really been dealt with, allowed to be dealt with by the Spirit of the Lord personally in your home, in your car, with your Bible, in your prayer, that say, I recognize this in my attitude and I don't like it. That every time this trigger, every time I hit this, tri this trigger is pulled or, 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 or somebody says something, it's a trigger to me and I go off the handle, but I'm not punishing them for what they said. I'm punishing them for what happened to me. And my speech is coming out of my womb. But Jesus came, said, I have come to heal the brokenhearted. Because Bubba did leave you. He went out to take the trash out and never came back. And he did, it was irresponsible what he did, but you can't just say, I, I'm never going to trust a man again. Not because of Bubba. Because there's a good man that won't leave, leave you, that won't walk on you, and will cheat, treat your children like they're his. Do you not know there's some wonderful men in this world? And they're down in the valley. You didn't understand that. I want to be married. Well, she's down in the valley. Why don't you get hold over here so that you can talk to her about wholeness? That, yeah, Jesus, Jesus came. But I did A, B, and C. He doesn't, he doesn't care about the drop-down list you have. He came to make you whole, complete, not just saved alone, but whole. And whole means victory. Whole means kindness. Whole means character. How many saints you know that can praise God with fervor and set our hearts ablaze and cannot handle one bill that they have to be late on the bill? And if they have a paycheck, they have to live from paycheck to paycheck. And they got $300 left over all of a sudden. Oh, no, no, we're not going to keep that. We have to spend this. Well, you say, well, that's poor money management. No, that's out of a learned behavior or untaught principle. Somewhere they picked it up with someone else because they were used to their waking up in the morning and the water was cold because, guess what? The electric got turned off. They did endure lights, no lights. But when they got to school as kids, they didn't tell you, hey, our lights got turned off at our house. 
And we couldn't eat nothing but cold cereal today because mom got an electric stove. And you think something that simple doesn't start creating a bruise and a wound that somehow they begin to defend it, defend it, defend it, and you don't know why they're defending or what they're defending. But deep down in their soul, there's something yet to be dealt with, to grow them with, to understand. That's why when we were teaching the kids, um, young teenagers, I would ask them, are you a hundred heir? Come on now. Don't even think of everybody want to jump to millionaire. Be a hundred heir. And, and then if you're a hundred heir, guess what? I said, now, okay, because they would come to the kids and say, yeah, I'm a hundred air pastor, I'm a hundred. I said, good. You think you can be a thousand air? Yeah, I think I could be a thousand. And then they became a thousand air. Come on now, a thousand air. It's no harm. It's not carnal or anything like that. But guess what? Thousand air starts with a hundred air. And a hundred air, which means that you save 10, 20, 50, and tucked it away. And you begin to develop a new license that it was okay to have means. Now, my daddy came up balancing a checkbook, so that's not wasn't my struggle. I was this, the Grinch that stole Christmas. George Washington would have sunshades on because he had been in my pocket so long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So my first check. I ran home to show it to my mama and I put it under my shirt like it was somebody might try to take it. And uh, I was a 13 years old pastor and by the time I got there, the check was wet, sweat. But then my goal is that I was gonna buy me a bicycle. And daddy, who could have bought it, allowed me to save my money. Because the first bicycle he bought me and I was going to decorate it with, um, you, you ever seen those little pins the seamstress use? They got the little red ball, yellow ball on the end of them. I put them all over the tires. <laughs> How many of you know that doesn't work? <laughs> then I, I used to leave it out in the rain sometime. So that was the last bike my dad had to buy because the next bike, I bought it. And I waxed the tires. I kept it on the porch because your heart will follow where you invest in. And if you invest in a soul, your heart's going to follow that. You want them to do well. Why don't we just say right here today that when it comes to this community of believers that, brother, Pastor Tibbs, I'm going to treat you like you're my liver. Brother, you are my liver. Now, religion will say, you're my lung. I got two. I can't do without you. But when we start talking about liver, I really need you to live. And if we got the perspective that we are all one another's livers, guess what? We're going to look out for each other while we're up on the mountain getting taught. We're looking out for one another because we got to go down in the valley. Because we can't live on the mountain. We, he, we, were, we were up there for five, six, and seven. But chapter eight is in front of us. And the gospel of wholeness, wholeness has to come from us. 
and he taught us and he healed us. While he was speaking, he was dealing with us. While he was teaching lessons, he, I said, oh my goodness, he's talking about me. Why in the world that any believer could borrow money and it's got a license not to pay it back? Where'd they get that from? I, I loaned a, a fellow some money and, uh, and he said, yeah, pastor, I'm gonna make, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give that back to you in a week. I just need, I just, for a week. I said, no problem. And one week turned into two weeks. And two weeks turned into three weeks. And so then he called me. He said, Pastor, I want to come by and show you my new car. <laughs> your, your new car? I didn't say that to him because I got to be holy. <laughs> and so he, I, I, he, 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 before he got there, I went into prayer. I said, Lord, teach me how, what I need to say to this brother how I'm going to instruct this brother. So, Lord, what would you have me to do? He said, forgive him. Forgive him, and I'll pay you. And I said, like, that's not really the answer I wanted. So he pulled up and went outside, and he was so happy about his car and all that. Never paid me back, but God did. Who is being trained? See, that's on the mountain training. That's on the mountain training. Through your experience, he trains you. And the word of the Lord comes back to you. And you're being able to be developed as a glorious church. It's a glorious church that's put in inventory all the medicine that the people need down in the valley. This is the tabernacle. This is the house of the Lord. This is the glorious church. Right here. Right here. So, Brother Chan does a great job at this, but I want to share something about your growth. How many of you love a word from the Lord? Raise your hand. How many of you love a personal word from the Lord? Okay, we on the mountaintop now. How many have been a travel away and got a word from the Lord? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When we were building our church, just in the beginning, I was down in North Carolina. I had to preach, and I came through the airport, and this man walked up to me. He said, you are a man of God. I said, yes, sir. And then he said, he began to prophesy and began to just speak. And then he said something. He said, and that church you're building is paid for. Now, I'm shook now. He, everything else he said didn't matter. Okay. I mean, it was good, but it wasn't this good. Okay. Because when you begin to spend a lot, a lot, a lot of millions of dollars, all of a sudden, and a man show up, and then I said, um, well, if I don't see you again, sir, I'm in Raleigh, North Carolina. I, I, I'll see you in heaven. He said, it will be in heaven. And he walked away. So when the pastor came and picked me up from the airport, I got in the back seat and didn't say nothing because I was frozen. I didn't know whether I had talked to an angel or what in the world was going on. So now it's one thing to get really excited over that word because the word is a declaration. Say declaration. declaration. 
and in your life, I'm bringing it in, Pastor, in your life you are going to have declarations, things said over your life, things that are bigger than you, bigger than what you think you could ever accomplish. They are declarations. It is the prophetic declaration. It is the comforting declaration over your life concerning God's purpose for your existence. Not because you're qualified, mostly because you're unqualified. And the beauty of that word sets your heart on fire. Everyone say declaration. declaration. But do you not know right behind declaration is God, God being God, what he's going to do next? Behind declaration comes distress. Are you ready? Okay. I'll give it to you. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Everyone say declaration. declaration. <laughs> Here comes distress. And he was led by the spirit of the Lord into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. That's distress. The declaration came first. The distress came afterwards. Now I got to deal with something. And then the, the purpose of the distress is not to hurt, it's to develop. You know that your real growth came through distress. We're having a lovely tea Bible study now, but you really didn't grow in that Bible study. Even though you got the word of God, put it in your inventory, but the test of true growth now is to every revelation there comes a time of evaluation to see whether or not you got the revelation. And we call it a test, but God calls it developing you. Developing you. Everybody understand it? He's developing you. So now Jesus goes into the temple and he says, uh, oh, this scripture, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. I've been developed, and now after this, what you're going to see is demonstration. Distress, uh, uh, declaration, distress, development, demonstration. I'll give you another example. David is minding his own business. Sam has got to roll over here and anoint a king. David's not mentioned by his daddy, so there's something in that that he's going to parade all the other boys but not even mention you. And that can develop a bruising right there. That can develop a wounding right there. Why, does my, why didn't my dad prefer me? Dad may not have been intentional, but he's carrying on what was done to him. And then some places got to stop. And Jesus said, I've come so to stop. This can't be passed on anymore the umbilical cord must be cut and so sure enough Samuel makes a declaration I'm anointing you to be king and right behind that came distress here comes Goliath big distress big distress and you think that he was going to be developed with Goliath no he wasn't being developed with Goliath. He took his head off and walked around with his head all day. David don't care. 
But what was going to develop him was Saul. When he got somebody who becomes jealous of him, envious of him rather, to want something he wants. Okay? And now it turns from being David the son, now the king of a nation is hunting you down like a dog. And you're alone in caves. And you hear the howling dogs. And who are they coming from? Bad boy, bad boy. They're coming for you. And all of a sudden, what have I done to deserve this other than go and fight the king's battles? But he heard the song. Saul has killed his thousands. And David is tens of thousands. And so Saul was first for him turned against him. And sometimes in your development, you'll have to endure those who've turned against you. When you loved them and they still turned and you think this is the worst in the world? Oh no, this is the development, y'all. When is it developed? When Saul is close enough and he could have stabbed him in his eyebrow. That's a lethal blow right there. <laughs> but instead, he cut the skirt of his garment. He was convicted for doing that. But he made, how do I know he's developed now? I will not touch the Lord's anointing. No matter how he treated me, God made him king and I have no right to take him away from being king. Be careful how you speak personally with names about another leader. Come on and be developed on the mountain. De Listen, don't speak against Joel. You don't know him. I don't know him. Well, he don't preach hell. Okay. Okay. I saw that dude break down and cry and change my whole perspective. I was right there. I was in the meeting. And he put his hands in his face and he cried like a baby. He sobbed. He, he told the host there, he said, I can't teach Revelation because I don't understand it. It is an honest day. And um, he said, the only thing I know how to do is encourage people. So I looked at one of the pastors. I said, I know why God called that man. He just wanted somebody nice on TV. Maybe the whole purpose that God wanted somebody nice on TV, that the kingdom is nice, instead of putting them down, there's somebody following him and growing faith from him, and so I'm not going to kill him for what purpose? No need to do it. Turn the channel. But don't let your, let your lips be sanctified. You learn that on the mountain. So you don't carry judgment down into the valley. Because all the new believers waiting for you that are going to be new believers are really depending on you being whole. Because yes, yes. we're preaching Jesus will make you whole. Jesus will make you whole. Well, God, make me whole. And then comes the time of not only develop now, it comes to the place of demonstration and that boy danced in front of that ark 
He danced. He's king, and he's dancing before the ark. His wife got an attitude, but he didn't stop. The joy of the Lord was his strength, and he was going to work it out. I don't know what kind of moves he had. <laughs> and they offended some people. Anytime you get going forth in the Lord, you're going to offend somebody. But Jesus set you free. Jesus made you whole, and you got a right to express the joy of the Lord in your spirit, in your soul. You got to be, well, let's not say the church. Let's just take the church off of it, just for a moment. But in your house where you pay rent, where you pay a mortgage, you ought to have a skip in your step. You ought to dance, do jumping jacks. I don't have a lot of rhythm. Something I'm going to have to take up with God. You would think I would have some rhythm, but I don't have no rhythm. My wife got rhythm. She, she really does. She, she can roller skate and she can clap on time. I'd be like, yeah, but that's okay. Everybody got their own gift. But my wife really got, she got some. But you know what? When I'm going forth in the Lord, I don't care if I'm offbeat, don't look right, because I know had it not been for the Lord that was on my side, I would have been consumed by my enemy. I would have been cast down and destroyed. So I'm not praising him for the crowd. I'm praising him for the joy he gave me. And I ain't got no pride. I ain't got no pride. I ain't got no pride. If saints would only know their money is in their praise. That college is going to be paid for for your kid through your... And look at religion. So that's religion right there. While you getting college paid for, that man was blind and needed to be made whole. And he said, Jesus, thou son of David. And he used the code word, have mercy on me. And Jesus says, stop, hold up, right here, bring him to me. Because the cold word would always get the lowest attention. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. What do you want me to do for you? What a question. Let me translate that and amplify it. I'm about to wrap up. I'm going to close the book, but it don't mean much. The Amplified Virgin will teach you this. We know the code word is what? Have mercy. That's the code word. Everybody asks for mercy, gets mercy. In the Amplified Version, according to Robin Ellsworth Ricks, you'll never find it in the Bible, is Jesus said, oh, it's yesterday. What you want me to do for you? It's, it's, it's yesterday. C come on over here, baby girl. It's yesterday. You say, you be like, it, it's yesterday. <laughs> you got some tissue? Let me tell you something. You don't need no tissue. Just wail it out. Oh, God. It's yesterday. And the crowd said, what in the world going on? Did you hear it's yesterday? Everybody who lines up in the yes line gets what, whatever they want. 
Glory to God for yesterday. Because he's not the God of no. He's the God of yes. And he'll prepare our heart to know that he's the God of yes without being superficial. So that when we go down into the valley, when you do a, another community thing, have the, the disciples bash some footballs, soccer balls, games, or whatever it is, and have the disciples write a word on each ball and their number. And when they give it up, they personally always see that scripture, that word. This is the Lord, by the way. You see, and if you can't buy it, I'm sure we can. Can we, can we, can this glorious church buy some, some balls and footballs and, you know, I said roll out the dunk tank. And don't the pastor day. <laughs> I'm coming to that one. Because <laughs> when they want to do the tunk, dunk the tank, they, they just want to dunk me. I know their ways. They get joy out of dunk. We got him. We got him. You can add a little spice to him, put on a necktie, and sit on the dunk tank and defy them. <laughs> They really want to dump me then. You see, something like that. And I use the word like. And so what we're going to do, we're going to just freely give. We're just going to freely give. We're going to do some soccer scriptures. Could you put, brother, could you put a scripture or a word? You know, never know who that ball is going to go to. So you got to seek the Lord from the mountain. Because this ball is going down to the valley. Please say y'all hear me. And some little boy, some little girl is going to say, they gave me a ball, and I'm going to keep it. And they wrote this, that's me. And they didn't know that you heard it from the mountain, but it reached into the valley. Yes. Come on, church. We're talking about the gospel of wholeness. That it's not only that I'm saved. He's made me whole. Amen. I ain't mad at nobody no more. I'm not mad. I'm just not mad no more. We're going to just do a crush, angered prayer today and be done with it. Yes. A let it go day. Can we do let it go? Since it's yesterday, let's let it go. Yes. Just, just, just let it go. Listen, listen. I'm going to wrap this up. It's 12 o'clock. Late. Is it? Okay, I'm good. All right. Stand up, please. That's the indication that I'm almost. <laughs> I say this story by permission. A doctor had recommended a lady to come see me. And she came in. And um, her problem is that she wasn't sleeping. She, she was getting two or three hours a night. And, you know, that'll make you psychotic. And so I asked her, just I was praying while she was talking. I never met her before and she came in she's from another city and I said what's the worst thing that ever happened to you she said well 
my sister made me have sex with my brother for several years when I was young. I said, okay. I said, I can help you. She said, you can? I said, yeah. I said, uh, is there anything that beside you being the victim of something so harsh? Is there anything that you may have done that you would like for Jesus to forgive you? She said, well, yeah, yeah. I said, you want to just get that taken care of now? Would you, are you willing for Jesus to forgive you? See, I got to be Jesus. I can't say to you, are you willing? He is going to do it. Are you willing for him to forgive you? I'm not asking her to do something. Are you willing for him to forgive you? And she agreed. And so we prayed the prayer that she would be forgiven and cleansed. I said, then number two, I need you to forgive your sister. She said, I can't do that. I said, why? She said, because I hate her. I hate what she done to me. I hate how she used me and manipulated me as a little girl. And here I am, 40 years old, and I still, it's still painful in my life. I said, well, man, you know, I told you I could help you. And I said, you got, uh, it's an extension cord plugged in the wall, and you're chewing the other end. And you said, Pastor, I need you to help me. I keep getting shocked, and I tell you, take the cord out of your mouth. And you said, I can't do that. And the light came on. I said, forgive means to send away, to let it go. And you probably have heard this. It's not originally me. Bitterness and anger is like you sipping poison, waiting for your enemy to die. But it's killing you. And so that woman, after I had taught her, because I've been on the mountain long enough to teach. And she said, I'm willing to send it away. She didn't know the church terminology. She said, but I'm willing to send it away. And she began, because I had to help her. And she began to say, Jesus, I forgive my sister. She owes me nothing. I release her. She owes me nothing. And I forgive her. See, if you send it, Jesus will take it. There's no putting, pushing buttons, flipping switches, and it just happens. No, if you send it with intent, Jesus will take it with intent. He didn't come to improve you. He came to make you new. He didn't come to make you better. He came to make you new. So he wants you all today on New Street. New creation. Living on New Street. And I know you can look over to Old Street and see your mail in the mailbox piling up. And you want to go and hear those messages from Old Street that used to beat you down. And I'm going to tell you, don't go back on Old Street. Live on New Street. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Jesus came to make us new. And in the process of making you new, he came to make you whole. Amen. That woman went home and slept 12 hours straight because of problem and been sleeping ever since because unforgiveness was the reason she couldn't sleep. Why are the saints not being able to sleep? That the saints of the most high God not being able to sleep? When the Bible says you give your beloved rest, 
Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. He wants you to have rest because he wants you to be whole. We're about to pray now. All right, I want you to bow your heads with me. Serious time. If you're here today and you say, Lord Jesus, I want to be whole, just slip your hand up real quick. Yes, sir. Yeah. Wholeness is what I want. All right, say this out loud. Everybody, don't mean every, everything for everybody, but just repeat it back to, with me if you can. You're maybe sharing, saying it for someone else. And you say, Lord Jesus, I forgive and I send it away. Thank you for taking it. I hear your word that you sent to me. Wholeness is the order of the day. And it's yesterday. It's yesterday. God is yesterday. Just for me. Have mercy on your servant. You have liberated me and made me whole. And then as I walked away, I had to turn it back to say thank you. So right now, in the presence of the Lord, we're sending it away. You don't have to repeat this. We're sending it away. You've got a thank you in your heart and a release in your spirit that yes day is now for you. In Jesus' name, be whole. And let all the church say, Amen.